everyone. Welcome to the WMA podcast. I'm Justin Halverson, the president of WMA, and with me is my co-host, the director of member relations for WMA, Justin Jackson. Hello. Today we sat down with Professor Steve Schiestel. Professor Schiestel is the current director of the Financial Planning and Wealth Management Program at the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University. Professor Schiestel holds the CFA designation, has an MBA from Eli Broad, and a BBA in Finance from the University of Michigan. Professor Schiestel is the co-founder and CIO of Grand Capital Advisors and has over 20 years of experience working in the wealth management industry. Professor Schiestel is a fantastic lecturer. I've had the pleasure of sitting in on his classes and I found he has a great skill for making all these high level finance concepts interesting and engaging. Uh, we recorded this pod before the news that all the MSU classes would be online for the fall of 2020. So it's really disappointing to hear that the students who are in Professor Schiestel's classes this fall won't be able to sit there in person. But I know he's got some great ideas and some great things planned for the online version of all his classes. So if you like what he had to say in the podcast today and uh, you're interested in learning a little bit more about finance and you're an MSU student, Go check out his classes. We have the details of those in the show notes. A big thank you to Professor Schiestel for coming on the show today. We learned a lot about MSU's wealth management program, its origins, uh, where we are today, and then also a lot about Professor Schiestel's background and why he decided to pursue a career in finance. I know I found the conversation incredibly insightful, and we really hope that you do as well. So without further ado, we bring you Professor Steve Schiestel. about that. So right off the bat, in your own words, can you tell us what financial planning and wealth management is to somebody who has maybe never heard those terms before? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, sometimes the words might be used, I don't know, synonymously with each other. Um, I kind of view like, what is a financial plan? So a financial plan is just, you know, in, in the old world, almost like a document that helps you make decisions about how you make um, good financial decisions about your life and things you want to accomplish. Financial planning is really just the ongoing discussion on this. You know, it's, it's not like a one size fits all. It's dynamic. It changes with time. So that's the, the planning piece of it. Wealth management is this name that's been coined probably like 20 years ago to kind of represent all of the pieces of a person's financial situation. So typically, traditionally within this industry, we often first started with investment management, you know, how to manage your portfolio and whatnot. Um, and then the industry then also had a lot of insurance people. So we had the risk management side. But really, when you think about wealth management, it, it looks first at the person to figuring out what is it that they want to accomplish. And then we look at their balance sheet, you know, what assets do they own? What liabilities do they have? What are their cash flows? and then takes all of the investments, the insurance, their taxes, their legacy type stuff, and make it kind of a unified approach to it. So I kind of use, look at the terms, they can be interchangeable somewhat, but you know, it's almost like wealth management is a summary or a package of all these different things that we do, and then planning is kind of part of that. So do you think, is wealth management more of like 
what you do when you have an accumulation of assets? Like, is it like, is a young college like person graduating out of college who has debt? Is that person, you know, does that person require wealth management or is wealth management more for like, I don't know, somebody who's had a career, has some savings, has some investments already kind of. Yeah, you know, I would say it would apply to everyone. Okay. But when we, so I came years ago, I, I started to work, well, when I moved into this industry, 1999, I moved into what was considered the bank's trust department. So I worked for Citizens Bank in Flint, Michigan. And at that time that I started 1999, we were considered the trust department. Old, stodgy, conservative. <laughs> and we quickly, almost within three, four months that I was there, we went to wealth management. And everyone was like, what the heck is this? And so we originally had some people saying, well, am I wealthy enough? Am I wealthy enough to be part of wealth management? And it's like, it's kind of one of those terms. But just getting back to your question, um, boy, even if I'm someone coming right out of school, I might have a lot of student loans. I may not have an emergency fund. And I might not even know anything about starting in a 401k. That's wealth management. Right. And so honestly... I, th I think if someone could coin a better descriptor of what we do, it would probably take some traction because I think there is that yeah. person. I mean, we, I remember sitting down with a, with a couple that had well over a million dollars of investable assets and they were like, I don't feel like I'm wealthy enough to be in wealth management. <laughs> so <laughs> it's in the eyes of the beholder, I guess. That's so important because I think nowadays so many people have so many misconceptions about wealth management. You know, it, it did have an older meaning and a lot of people still think that. So thank you. Yeah, it's, that's very insightful. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit why you decided to go into finance? I guess going back a little bit. Um, so you're more than welcome. Did, did you start in wealth management or did you start somewhere else? You, you talked about working at Citizens Bank or how did you kind of fall into the wealth management space? Gosh, you know, that's a great question. I think the one thing I would say to any young person is that, you can have the greatest plans early, early on, and rarely uh, will a person's path from, let's say the point of starting undergrad as an 18, 19 year old, to maybe the day you retire, you will look back, and I'm seeing this as a person that's 50, so hopefully I'm still about 20 years away from retirement, but until you look back on, wow, how did I get here? Some people, their path might follow a nice crisp, but that's pretty darn rare. So it's kind of funny because I started off as a history and computer science major going into uh, undergrad. And I had never, in high school, I'd never taken any business courses. But I had stumbled on, you know, looking at this thing called the Wall Street Journal or Fortune magazine and just didn't really even know what I was looking at. And, and my, I took an intro to economics class as a freshman in the fall of my freshman year. And I had a love for history and the way that this macroeconomics teacher taught it, it kind of weaved history with economic thought and I kind of fell in love with it. And then took a few classes, pivoted over. Um, I guess I had an interest in the markets, which kind of led me to finance. Um, and then really didn't even know like whether there's this whole thing called corporate finance and there's capital, you know, there's, there's personal finance. So it was kind of just, finding your, finding the way. So it really wasn't well measured out, well planned as an 18 year old to get here. Uh, when I graduated, I started off as a commercial banker working for a bank, which at that time was called NBD Bank. And so we were headquartered out of downtown Detroit through a number of mergers. It's now everyone knows it as JP Morgan Chase. So I was a commercial banker for seven years. And I just really wanted, you know, again, my interest in the markets, you know, kind of led me to think, you know, let me flip over and do asset management. So that was really my original plan, I guess, would have been doing something in asset management. Went into this 
trust department that became wealth management and then ended up doing a bunch of different roles on this front. So probably not well planned out from a, like if I was sitting down as a 18 or 20 year old drafting how this played out and here I am teaching now, <laughs> but um, you know, it's been fun. I was going to say, do you, do you mind telling us a little bit of the trust department? Cause that's a big part of our wealth management program. So do you mind telling us a little bit what it was like working within the trust trust department at the bank? Yeah. So back in the day, you know, if you think about how people had financial advice given to them, you know, outside of the do it yourselfers, we really had the traditional stock broker. Okay. For, you know, again, that, that's a name that's, that's really not in our kind of in our lexicon today. So it would be a, commissioned salesperson trying to execute transactions. Um, and then we had, you know, if you were high net worth, you could probably go to an RIA, but really RIAs didn't get the traction that they have today. And then you had, let's call it old family money that would be sitting inside of bank trust departments. And so a traditional bank trust department would be staffed with kind of the lead person would have been an attorney someone with a lot of estate planning. And so they would be very much involved in managing um, either a, a, like a revocable trust where someone is still alive or oftentimes something that's an irrevocable where the, let's say the family patriarch has passed away and that trust document determines how the next generations will live. And then it was kind of monitoring it that way. Then what we've seen is because of changes in state state planning taxation and state planning rules, a lot of that has changed. And now it is very much, we very much live in a world where kind of the owners of the assets are the ones that are then hiring out their advisors. And so I think that's really why this idea, I mean, there are still some, you know, very reputable firms out there, like Northern Trust comes into mind in Chicago, you know, huge, huge complex, but they've created such a brand name that they keep that trust but I think for a lot of regional banks, they just said, you know what, the old trust department was too limiting. And it was almost like, wow, I have to have a trust to have a, to engage the trust department. <laughs> so we went to wealth management and then that's getting back to Justin Jackson's comment earlier is, well, if I don't have wealth, I can work with wealth management. But <laughs> yeah, So could you explain what it means to be basically a financial planner or a wealth manager nowadays? Like, I feel like a lot of people don't understand, if you're, are you an insurance salesman? Are you somebody who sits in an office and puts together financial plans? Are you, are you looking at investment portfolios all day? Like if somebody's 18, 19 years old, I feel like it's kind of an overwhelming industry to just look at and be like, oh yeah, that's what this person does. Who's a yeah, person. you know, no doubt. And, there, and there's so many ways, so, but I kind of call it like so many dimensions to look at the industry. Um, one dimension would be you know, what, what would be my, well, first of all, one dimension would be what kind of a firm am I going to go work for, you know? And so do I, do I work for like a registered investment advisor? Do I work for one of the warehouse financial advisors? Do I work for a broker dealer? And it's almost, I mean, those are terms that kind of define how they're regulated. I think the dimension that probably makes more sense, especially if I'm looking would be, am I going to be an analyst? Or am I going to be, let's call it a business development person? Or do I have to build my quote unquote, my own book? So the roles, the responsibilities are going to be different in that, in, in that type of a firm than it would be if I was being hired on to be a, a junior part of the team and learn the industry um, versus here's your desk, here's your phone, go build a book. And again, there's dimensions. And so I think oftentimes what I try to do in class anyways is to explain those dimensions 
so that students can best fit what kind of works for them, or at least so that they're as informed as possible. So I think that's a good place to talk about the CFP program and you know why, why do we learn the CFP? Um, also, you're a CFA, if you could also touch down what the CFA is. Um, can you kind of break down why we do the CFP program and the wealth management program and all that stuff? Yeah, so let's, let's first talk about credentials. So, I mean, obviously I always kind of, I, I got a little bit of pushback on this, but I'll still defend it. Like if you look in, let's call it broad finance, or let's call it financial services finance, mm -hmm. you know, from a credential standpoint, the CPA, you know, the certified public accountants who are going to come out of the accounting department. I mean, that's still a very, very reputable, um, you know, certification that a person can have. And really a CPA can migrate a lot of different ways. But again, generally business oriented accounting, and then you've got a law degree. So oftentimes, you know, a JD can allow a person to pivot in a whole, a whole bunch of different directions. Um, then there's the CFA CFP. So the CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst, and then the CFP, Certified Financial Planner, the way I always best describe it is, if I'm sitting down and there's a couple or there's a person that says, hey, I have, I, I have all these financial questions. The CFP person is the, is the one who would sit down and engage in that conversation. Tell me about you. Tell me about your dreams. Um, do you want to retire when? Do you want to send your kids to college? Do you want to start a business? All the things that make us people. Um, and so draft a plan. How do I get there? It might be investment heavy. It might be insurance heavy. It might be you know, estate planning heavy. But then once, let's say, let's say you were engaged, we write a plan and they say, I'm going to hire you to be my advisor. Oftentimes that advisor then will manage the assets along with it, you know, whether it's in a you know, brokerage account or however it's being managed, your investment assets. Um, then once it comes into the firm as the advisor, I got to do something with these, right? And so let's say if I need to hire a manager, so whether it's in a mutual fund manager or hedge whatever the whoever the manager is i'm going to turn that around and that becomes a almost a a, a b2b or a business to business uh, conversation and that cfa sits as the asset manager mm -hmm. so they're the ones that are actually making the you know do i buy you know coke or do i buy pepsi you know uh, do i buy facebook do i buy twitter and they're making those asset decisions so it really comes down to cfa is it's not even fair to say it's more quantitative, but it's more you're in the markets, you're making those asset decisions where the planner, really the, the, the planner has to have a lot more dimensions to them. Yeah. Um, they have to be interpersonal. They really like want to like people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Counselors yeah. are great. Just, yeah. You have to have that ability to, I mean, I, I often tell, you know, I think back of people I've seen in my career, some of the best CFAs, you really wouldn't want to put them in front of, you know, quote unquote normal people just because they're so like they can build the greatest spreadsheets they can tear apart a financial statement with the best of them they can make great investment decisions but boy you get them on the phone and it's they're yeah. not fun conversation you just know what 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 um you know hey what path do i want to follow but for us yeah this would really be this the the financial planning wealth management program which we are registered with the cfp board which means that if you take all the six classes that are labeled inside of this program, you can sit for the exam upon graduation. That is really, I wanna take that role of sitting down and helping people kind of reach their goals, reach their destination on however that is defined. 
Yeah, that's it. So you're almost the middleman. That's like maybe another way. You're the middleman between the CFA yeah. and the client who wants to buy those assets and put them in their portfolio, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So yeah, you know, I mean, and, yeah, and one way to really differentiate it. So years ago, um, I, I worked for a senior manager named Mike Robinson, and so he he kind of recrafted the business model we were operating, and he always gave the example that, boy, in today's world, you have to be really good with that interpersonal conversation um, with all those skills plus be really good as far as implementing those into a plan but you this is not the role anymore of do i buy coke versus pepsi it used to be back in the world they did both and boy you just even see this at the firm level there's not many firms anymore and there are still some the one thing i the one thing i always say with finance you never say the word never because there's always exceptions to every rule but i would say that a large number of firms today are you know what, I'm working with, I'm working with those clients and then I'm going to take those investment dollars and I'm going to kind of farm it out to someone else. Makes a lot of sense. So you, you touched a little bit about the MSU CFP program, which Justin and I are both a part of. We're both going to be seniors next year. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the origins of that? Um, I know, like, I was doing a little bit of research, and I see there's less than 200 schools uh, in the United States that have a program that's like this. We we're ranked in the top 50 on the list I found, so I was happy to see that. Awesome. Um, go green. Yeah. Um, yeah, go white. But, um, yeah, can you tell us um, what, what kind of made you want to start that? Like, what were the origins of that? What, yeah, where did you see that need? That's a great question. So 2011 is when I first started teaching at, at MSU. You know, I was teaching at night corporate finance class. In 2014, the right circum the, the, the circumstances were right. The opportunity was right. So I came full-time to MSU. And almost from the day I started, they said, hey, we got this side project that a large RIA in the state of Michigan is very interested in seeing us build a CFP registered program. And, but how do we do it? It was kind of almost literally saying, here's the want, how do we accomplish it? And it, it took a while to get done as we kind of maneuvered through, I guess, different ideas and different options to finally get the thing, you know, kind of see it to fruition. But then starting in the fall of 2018, for those that graduated 2019, we actually got the program up and running. Um, so, and, and really a lot of it was just getting the endorsement from the CFP board that, and it's kind of interesting. So in order to get the edge, like CFP, I guess, for the, the easiest way of describing how do I become a, a, a CFP charter holder or, or earn the designation is to hit the four E's, which is the ethics, which means, hey, I'm going to be ethical. I'm going to kind of, you know, treat my clients in the best interest that, you know, just all the ethical component of it. You have to earn an education component, and that's where we come into place with our program. You have to pass the exam, and then you need to have sufficient experience. And so often it's like a three years of experience, and then you can then throw the credentials behind your name um, or place, I should definitely a better word of saying. No. Properly place the, 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 the designation behind your name. Um, so we come in on the education piece and really what the CFP says is you're, you know, in order to satisfy this, you have to have at a minimum, you have to have a minimum of six classes, 18 credits covering 72 learning objectives. And one of the classes have to be a capstone class. How you design it from there is up to you. So often where we were struggling at first was how do we fit this into an undergrad 
primarily a business student? How do we fit these extra classes in there around all the other requirements that you guys have to work around? So we have to get a little creative to get there. And I think that the mix we have now works pretty well. And um, so far, so good. I mean, I'm, I'm, last year's class, um, all the students were placed with all different types of firms, which is great to see. And I think this year, it looks like just about everyone has been placed as well. And even in the, even in the course of the pandemic, um, seeing that play out has been very um, satisfying. I've seen so much opportunity joining the program a couple of years ago. It's amazing. I get emails even during the pandemic. Yeah, we've got the Financial Planning Association of Michigan. They're emailing us opportunities all the time. It's, it's been great. So um, I guess, could you, um, I don't know if we you touched on it, but could you tell us why would this be a good career for a Spartan? If there's a finance student who's kind of trying to decide what he wants to do, why would they consider doing this program at MSU? Or, or a non-finance student, because we actually yeah, have a couple marketing uh, yeah. marketing students even switch over and join the program. No, that's a great question. So, and, and, I'm, and, and, and we're actually in the midst of just finishing up the, let's call it the approval process to launch a master's slash certificate program. So this might even be appealing to a non-business student, you know, whether someone's in the social science college or someone's in the arts and letters college. Um, but to, so to answer your question, why would someone want to do this? Well, the first thing is our other opportunities. Um, and the data can be a little bit different, you know, depending on where you, how you slice and dice it. But what I have seen is that there are, what is there like, I think there's like 300,000 advisors in the US. And out of those advisors, the numbers would say that about anywhere from a quarter to a third should be retiring in the next 10 years. Okay, based on where they are in their life cycle and all that, that's about what the retirement age. So there's this, there's almost this barbell in the industry where there's some young folks and there's, you know, it's really a quite mature industry. And so there's all of this opportunity. So um, there was an alum who came in a couple of years ago who was the director of placement for a large um, a broker dealer. And he said, I kind of break it down like this. One, we know that our industry is, is quite old. Okay, we need lots of young, fresh talent to come in to replace those. Second thing is, is that people are living longer and as a result of that, they have greater and greater needs to make sure that I'm planning appropriately for it. Um, and the markets are really choppy, right? And there's lots of things going on where people maybe historically would have done it themselves. And they get to a certain point where they're like, geez, I really probably want to make sure that I'm handling this just right. So all those things are leaving great opportunities uh, for students. And really, oftentimes, I, I would just say, boy, you know what? Within finance, you know, we've got the, the traditional corporate finance jobs where you could go work for a company and kind of work within the, the finance slash accounting kind of part of the firm. Um, we've got capital markets opportunities where someone might do investment banking or sales and trading. And then we've got these financial services opportunities where I look at these much more as like you have a, a book of clients that you're trying to take care of. And, and so if you like the day where you're going to, you know, let's say pre-pandemic, getting on the phone, driving out, or having clients come in to meet you, and it's a lot of different types of engagement, and then go do some quantitative work, it's a, it's a great mixture to kind of fit both of those, of those minds. So yeah, it's really, um, so I think that there's some great opportunity. A lot of firms are, 
are um, pretty excited for opportunities that they see for Spartans that are interested and really any, any student, regardless of where you're kind of coming from um, on that front. Yeah, I, it's incredible how much opportunity I've seen. I can't believe it. Like, I think pretty much everybody I know, fellow in the program, has an opportunity this summer. I know, yeah, Derek just started his the other day online. Yeah. And even so for him, it's unique because it's such a small firm. So it's cool to see these small firms where they're only hiring one intern. They're able to still bring people on fully online. So it's well, the one thing that, you know, the, the one thing I find kind of interesting is that the industry is very competitive. Okay, business is business and there's always competition, but... I, I, I am kind of amazed at how the, the industry will still find ways to work together. And the prime example is that there was a firm that was struggling on how do we put together a good internship program to bring someone out full time. And they had some stumbles. And so then I put this, this owner in contact with, um, you know, a, who's a partner at an RIA just to share best practices. And didn't really have to do that, but just like, hey, if there's a way that we can help someone kind of get their firm maybe working a little bit better, you know, and it gave, so it gave an opportunity for another, you know, for a Spartan student. And if it works well this summer, I mean, it could be a, you know, a good full-time opportunity. So pretty, pretty, pretty fun and interesting to see that. It is. We, we've been throwing on this term. Do you mind defining it for us? RIA. What's an RIA? Oh, yeah. Somebody hasn't heard that before. No, that's a great question. Yeah, so really within the space, you know, you would be, for lack of a better word, um, you'd be either registered as a registered rep of a broker dealer, which means you might work for a warehouse firm or like a farm firm like um, LPL or Raymond James, okay? So you'd go through all the licensing requirements and fall under that scope. And so, it, you know, it's almost a regulatory oversight. Um, the other part of it would be working in a registered investment advisor capacity. That's what the RIA stands for. And you'd still have to be registered, um, but then the who the regulator is that those advisors would report to is just a different channel. And they often have maybe different standards of conduct, uh, but the end, but working with the clients in the end is gonna look the same. Um. Yeah, well, thank He's you for your time. He's got a dog barking. Yeah, dog barking. yeah, let's hold on here. <laughs> uh, is that your dog, Steven? It is. It what is. kind of dog is it? Oh, it's um, a um, schnoodle, which is part schnauzer, part poodle. And he's generally a quiet dog unless either A, there's a package that's been delivered, or if the UPS driver comes by, or the mailman, or if someone's walking their dog. Yeah, I, I have a Pomeranian, and uh, she was nice for about 13 years, and then she started turning a little senile, and uh, okay. <laughs> she's been pretty mean in the past couple yeah. of years. So, um, okay. do you have any advice for incoming freshmen or any, you know, any, any different major that is interested in pursuing financial planning, wealth management, how they can get involved at state, you know, what are the steps that sh they should be taking besides joining Wealth Management Association, obviously? Yeah, so I would say as a freshman, your best idea is to join a club. Right, and so this upcoming year will be year three of the Wealth Management Association. Um, you know, just both both Justins here, you know, have been you know very helpful of taking it, taking the club to the next level and figuring out what works. But yeah, really, from a freshman, if you can kind of come in, I think it's kind of cool where the club will mix both having speakers come in, 
And there's nothing like hearing from the people who are actually doing it. And then just different learning things that you guys are doing. And so if someone sits through a club and they're like, wow, this seems pretty cool, you know, and maybe this might steer you into a, you know, a broad type of education. Um, so really up to this point, we've had primarily finance majors, but we have, and Justin Jackson's one who kind of started off in the marketing realm. We had a student this year that actually graduated as a marketing major, but went through all the classes. And marketing is a, is a really good, I mean, the, I think the backgrounds of what you learn in marketing, along with this, you know, the content that we learn in the wealth management program kind of dovetails super, super close as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Cause oftentimes, you know, it's, you're almost as a sophomore where you're starting to really take some of the business classes and then um, it works really effective. I think to take the intro to wealth management, which is our finance 370 class as a fall junior year. And that'll give a good um, opportunity to secure a, an internship. And then really a lot of the classes get picked up there as a senior. Um, but really it's almost being introduced to it early on, seeing is it a good fit. And then with our new master's program, it could be, we're really looking at it as, I guess our, our target audience would be maybe someone who's just graduated out of uh, one of the colleges and some, you know, whether it's a Michigan State student or, or maybe someone even locally that would maybe want to add a fifth year on, takes whatever their undergrad was in and use that as a foundation for these additional classes and be an advisor that way. So what should a student that's interested in doing uh, the financial planning wealth management program do? Should they reach out to you? Should they go on to the finance website? Yeah, finance so website? yeah, there's probably a lot of different ways. Um, one, we are this summer, I'm going to be working on enhancing our website. So I'm working with a couple of students um, this summer just to help out build out and make the website more robust. Uh, that'd be step one. Step two would be joining Wealth Management Association, the student group participating and being involved um, with that. And then just any time, hey, I'm available 24 hours, seven days a week, you know, <laughs> any time to reach out and have a conversation with a student. And, but actually, what I've kind of found it's word of mouth. I mean, it's amazing. And the little bit of time that we've been in existence where a student will tell another student and it comes, you know, through students hanging out, having conversations and, you know, kind of building it that way. As well, yeah, it's so. funny. I was, I was just scrolling through the finance website because I was mm -hmm. a marketing major, and I was like, you know, I really want to be a planner, but I don't. I know I'm not probably a corporate finance guy necessarily. Um, and then I saw the program. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was a thing. And yeah. then I reached out to you, and that was kind of my path. And it seems like there's been a lot of different paths where people have just word of mouth or just stumbled on it on accident, you know? Yeah. So we're trying to come up with some ways of being a little bit more more proactive. I mean, there's been some outreaches in different, um, different venues on it. Part of it is, is that for about the first two years, a lot of our classes were labeled under this finance 491. It's kind of a catch-all category for new classes. As the classes are getting through the approval process and they get their own unique number and name, it, it helps as students are scrolling through the available class options saying, oh wow, introduction wealth management, what's that? And that kind of leads us into probably what I have to. So I had this one student, he would have been so last fall, he would have been a senior, sat in intro to wealth, and maybe about a month in, pulled me aside saying, I finally found what I want to do. Now, I'm a finance major, I didn't know, but I found, but unfortunately, it's too late now to pick up the other two classes I need as a 
uh, you know, in, in the fall. So I, I allowed him to take the capstone class and he's going to come back for a term to, to backfill. So one of my goals now is in the fall for this year is to early, early on really talk about the profession, talk about the careers so that if anyone is finding their destination fall of freshman or fall of senior year, we can get them in the other classes so that they don't have to re retrace the steps. But nice. yeah, some people are coming super early on. They know right away. Others, you know, in fact, I've talked to freshmen and sophomores, others that's seniors. So, you know, whatever we can do to help spread the word is just going to be beneficial for everyone. I know we're definitely doing that at the Wealth Management Association. Yeah, to speak from personal experience, I didn't even know, I didn't know about the program until I got into campus and then I got involved in clubs. I joined the Marketing Association, the Finance Association, and then the Wealth Management Club the first year they were on campus. So freshmen, I, that's the, I, that's awesome. Yeah, joining a club, I think that really helps a lot. So, yeah, yeah so. No I mean, I, I got to give a shout out. So Elizabeth Damani, who was a student a couple of years ago, and she, this was pre-program. In the spring, she had said, do you mind if we started a student group? And so from there, and, and I know, um, you know, Justin, have, have, Justin H, you were in that first group of students sitting in on it, but now as the, I can see each year, the student group is taking things that work, taking things that maybe didn't work, positioning it to just make the group as successful as possible. So I'm really excited for what we have um, planned for this year. Yeah, thank you. I am too. We're going to, I think the plan is to have Elizabeth on too. So she's going to be another conversation. Justin, I have okay. hear all about why she wanted to start the club. So that'd be great. Yeah. That's going to be great. Yeah. yeah so. No, you know, cause so it was interesting a couple of weeks ago, I had a zoom call with the grads from the 2019 class into the 2020 class. And um, just because of timing, uh, most of the people who joined were the 2019. There was a couple, there was a couple of students who just graduated that also joined. But just seeing the, the camaraderie, you know, where people are at, you know, and that's one of the, that's one of the things I want to, one of my things this summer I really want to think about is how do we make sure that we keep the alum kind of connected in and, you know, to help out, you know, sometimes even as an informal mentor, like, hey, there's a person in a firm, can I go talk to them? And really the one thing I always find, you know, Spartans of, of wherever they're at throughout the world, it is amazing how there's always a helping hand um, that people are willing to provide. So it's an awesome, awesome community to be part of. It definitely is. Yeah, I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. So yeah, Professor Schiestel, thank you so much today. Um, hey. Yeah, so awesome. I look forward to um, future conversations and being available on campus. Um, you know, hopefully if we are lucky and, um, you know, things come to pass that uh, there can be more face-to-face uh, -face connection. But if not, we have the technology to um, <laughs> substitute that for it. It is. Yeah. I know we're probably not going to have this come out for a few months. So as of now, for anybody listening, we're still up in the air. We don't know where we're at in the fall. So we will see. Yeah, we don't know where we're going to be. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, thanks again for all your time. Yes. If you're interested in learning more about MSU's financial planning program or in connecting with Professor Shastel further, please see the show notes for his contact information and additional information regarding the program. 
If you are a current MSU student who's looking to become involved in the Wealth Management Association, please visit msuwma.com and fill out our membership form. With that, you'll get access to more podcasts, our weekly newsletter, The Spartan Journal, and access to our virtual meeting links, which happen every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. via Microsoft Teams.